Good morning. Taylor Hemmes here from 41 Action News with another edition of Faith in KC. Uh, glad to see you again. It's been about a month or so since the last episode. Uh, I'm taking the opportunity to sit outside the 41 Action News station here, not far off the plaza today to record this because it's a beautiful morning as I sit here. Uh, it's not 100 degrees just yet. Um, it's not raining, so why not sit outside for a little while? Um, <clears throat> This episode today is going to be uh, one of the prime examples of, of, of why we started this series, because today we're talking about Buddhism. Uh, my guest today is Lama Matt Rice from the Rime Buddhist Center here in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. If this is your first episode, welcome. Um, if not, welcome back. The primary thought process behind this episode, this, this series, uh, I love all the people walking dogs around me right now, uh, behind this series when we started last year was that there was a return in many instances for people to a faith uh, setting um, or a beginning of a, of a faith journey for a lot of people because of the pandemic. Um, a lot of people's faith journeys that uh, they'd been on all their lives were changed dramatically. Uh, by some of the restrictions from COVID-19. And because of that, uh, we wanted a chance to, to talk to people about it. Uh, we don't talk about religion a lot on, on local news and we wanted an opportunity to do so. And it started with really learning more about faith communities here in town. And I wanted to uh, talk to as many different ones as we can. I don't mean for these to be lectures or anything like that or uh, homework to learn more about a faith that you don't maybe identify with or, or don't know anything about. Um, but I just like learning about new things. I'm a person of faith. I like learning about other faiths so I can um, speak intelligently about them and ask people about what they believe. It's a, it's a core part of who we are as people about hearing what our, what our faith or faiths look like. So today is another episode like that. It's an opportunity to talk about uh, a religion that I don't know anything about, that you may not know anything about, but um, just to, to answer some questions. I'm looking forward to that today. I enjoyed my conversation with Matt. I hope you will too. Uh, one programming note on this. Uh, typically, uh, if you've seen these before, I don't like to edit these in any way, for better or worse in some cases. Um, I like to just have a conversation. I don't write down any questions with the people I speak to. It's just a dialogue. Um, and so I like it to be kind of unedited. Um, but this week, Matt was having uh, some issues with his Zoom recording. Um, so there will be some instances of editing here, but it's just so I can take out those bits where my microphone was not working on his end uh, intermittently throughout the conversation. So if you see those those bumps, now if you hear this on the podcast version, you won't see that. But if you if you see this as you're watching, that's all the editing that's been done is to take out those little moments. Um, as I mentioned, you can watch this uh, here on Facebook on KSHB.com. You can find it on uh, in podcast format if you'd rather just listen to it, maybe as you're driving. Uh, 41 Files is what you can search for. Uh, that'll be the latest episode there. Uh, but my thanks to, to Lama Matt. If you have questions for me, as always, you can reach out on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can email me at taylor.hymnus at kshb.com. And let me know who I should speak to next or what faith should be represented next. And please, by all means, watch previous episodes if you haven't already. These are going to be coming out uh, once a month now. Enjoy. So my guest today on Faith in KC is Lama Matt Rice from the Remade Buddhist Center in KC Mo. Lama Matt, thank you for, for taking some time out of your schedule and, and hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. 
let me start with this just because, and uh, as I told Matt before we uh, started recording today, and I'm sure is the case for a lot of the people who will watch this, I don't know anything about Buddhism. Uh, and that's one of the big reasons I wanted to chat with you and just to learn more about it. So let's start with that that title, the Lama Matt Rice. What does Lama mean? What is that that title reference? Yeah, so uh, I have that title, uh, Lama, as uh, the spiritual director of the Rime Buddhist Center. Um, Lama usually is uh, given to teachers, um, people who are um, teaching um, Buddhism to our communities. And so that's the reason why I have that particular title. Um, there's also other titles, uh, or it can be seen as other titles like guru, um, if you're looking at kind of more Indian traditions. But in Tibetan Buddhism, which is our form of Buddhism at the Rime Center, uh, it is uh, Lama. How long have you been in that role? So I've been the spiritual director for the Rime Buddhist Center for about five years now. I've been a member of the Rime Buddhist Center for about 20 years. 28, did you say, or just 20? Uh, 20, 20 years. 20 years. Yep. Um, you look a little bit older than 20, no offense. Uh, <laughs> tell me about how you, how you came to, to become a Buddhist and became of the faith. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, my my family's spiritual tradition is Southern Baptist, and when I was I was raised in that church as a child, um, probably my teenage years, I started having a lot of questions. Kind of felt disillusioned uh, by the church, so kind of dropped out, uh, and was really uh, non-religious, um, spiritual, but but didn't really practice a religion um, until about my twenties, and then I started to investigate different religions, um, and this was probably in the 90s, late 90s, and, you know, uh, utilizing this uh, thing, the internet that everybody was talking about. And right. it was kind of nice because you, it, I was able to be introduced to different religions um, in a very kind of passive way. I got to explore a little bit. Um, and there was just something about Buddhism that really spoke to me. Um, and, and that was, uh, the, uh, in Buddhism, our kind of core teaching is what's known as the Four Noble Truths. Um, and this is what the historical Buddha, Shakyamuni uh, Buddha, discovered about 2,500 years ago um, when he was living in India. And that is this, our, our world is really characterized by suffering, is what he, is the English translation. But this, it's more of like dissatisfaction, uneasiness, um, stress. And that really spoke to me because, you know, I was at a good point in my life, but there was always this kind of undercurrent of just not being really satisfied, you know, wanting more, um, always kind of chasing after something that I could never get, or I was getting things that, you know, I didn't like. So I was trying to, you know, kind of pushing things away. And what the Buddha said is that, you know, there's a cause for this, which is just not knowing the way the world really is. Um, we, we think we know we try to project our own reality onto our, our world around us, um, and it's just not quite right. And so we're always going to be dissatisfied with the outcome. And he then gave a teaching saying that this could be resolved by developing wisdom and ethical uh, or ethics and really finding a balance in your life. And I think that was what spoke to me is just finding this balance and just living or trying to live the way the world really is, trying to develop wisdom to recognize the causes that, or the things that are causing me suffering. And that's what spoke to me. And from then on, I kind of, uh, I, I really threw myself into studying Buddhism, um, developing uh, like a meditation practice and uh, ethical discipline. Uh, and from that, I 
I developed and grew as a Buddhist practitioner. And then when our founder, Lama Chuck Stanford, retired, um, I was one of the ones that was looked at as as taking over the Remay Center. And our board of directors decided that. And now that's my role as, as the spiritual director. If, if viewers are new to Faith and KC, um, I, I always like to make clear that this series is not about endorsing or condemning any faith. Um, this is really about, um, we, we looked at it as an educational standpoint of more people potentially were coming to or coming back to faith during the pandemic, especially when we had um, the weight of the world, it felt like on all of our shoulders. And, and so uh, this is an opportunity to look at different faiths. And so I, I wanna make sure that's clear if this is your first episode. I've, I'm not going to be telling you, and Lama Matt's not going to be telling you, you should go out and become Buddhist. This is just to learn more about Buddhism itself. I'm curious, and Lama Matt and I have never met. Um, Matt, I was, I was raised Church of Christ. I still attend the Church of Christ. I'm curious about, um, you mentioned that you were raised Southern Baptist. How did that go over whenever you not only put that down, but then a few years later decided to pick up something that is uh, very not Southern Baptist? Well, I mean, my, you know, my immediate family were supportive um, of my journey. And um, I would say, you know, extended family are, you know, not really sure what to think of me sometimes. Right. Um, but I, you know, one of the things that, you know, my immediate family, like my, my parents really stressed was, you know, this own, this journey for yourself um, to, to really find your own way. And I'm, I'm sure there's aspects of, you know, the thought like, they would have liked me to stayed with the Southern Baptist faith. But, you know, one of the interesting things about religion and, and, and what I have found with Buddhism is that, you know, Buddhism doesn't claim ownership of this natural truth that they're, that they're um, trying to get you to become uh, enlightened with. You know, all religions point to this. All religions, whether it's Southern Baptist, Church of Christ, um, whether you're Muslim, Hindu, uh, Sikh, it it doesn't matter. They're, they're all pointing to something. And I think that's one of the things I absolutely love, especially in Kansas City, is there's this really strong kind of interfaith dialogue that's going on right now in the city. And when um, different organizations like yourself do these faith series, you know, they're, we're, we're tapping into that a little bit. We're, we're, we're exploring different faith traditions. And what we're doing is we're actually seeing something reflected in other traditions that is our own. And actually that strengthens our own, our own faith. Um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama one time said, I'm not here to convert you to be a Buddhist. I want you to be whatever you are and just be a better that. You know, so if your faith tradition is Church of Christ or Southern Baptist, you know, if there's something that you that resonates with you from Buddhism or uh, Islam or Judaism or one of the other faith traditions that speaks to you, that reinforces your own core belief system. You know, that's that's wonderful. And, and you can start to find these dialogues and these connections with other people and see your your own self interconnected with the community around you. You mentioned at one point when you were starting to lean back towards looking for something and you were exploring different faiths and that kind of thing. The only thing I could equate that to, as you mentioned that, is moving from one city to another and not changing my faith necessarily, but looking for a new place to worship and church hopping a little bit from going, whether I was 
Uh, and most of my adult life, I've been married or in a serious relationship with my future wife. And so a lot of that we did together and we would go to one place and she would say, nope, we're not going back there. Or, you know, that, that kind of thing. The, the first time that you set foot into a, a Buddhist setting and they, that, I mean, you'd done some research on your own. Tell me about that first time where you kind of walked into, um, and forgive me, is it, is it a Buddhist center? Is it a, a temple? What's the correct terminology? Yeah. So there, there, um, there are some that are Buddhist centers. They're kind of more, uh, Westernized, um, institutions that are more for learning and usually, uh, offer just meditation. Um, okay. when you're getting into kind of the more, the aspects of temples, you're, those are usually, related more with um you know communities that are coming out of asia south southeast asia like the okay. thai or the lao community um that they're that they're uh, temples that they go to and they they practice and meditate and make offerings um but i so it's center temple it's it's kind of synonymous um One of the things that I, when I first started looking into Buddhism, I, I really also looked at various forms of Buddhism. You know, uh, Buddhism is is very diverse, just like Christianity. You know, there's sure. all these different, you know, denominations and sects of, of Christianity, just like there is in Buddhism. And when I started looking, you know, I was looking at, um, you know, like Vietnamese Buddhism um, and, you know, like Chinese Buddhism, Japanese Buddhism. And the, a lot of the temples that are like the Vietnamese temple, you know, their, their language of choice is Vietnamese, which I don't speak. Um, and so it could be difficult um, to kind of interact. And so one of the things that we have here in Kansas City are Western English speaking Dharma centers. Um, and so there's the Rime Center is one of the, is one of the main ones. And then there's also like Temple Buddhist Center um, that's over at uh, Unity Temple on the Plaza, uh, and I went to both of them and, and kind of explored what they were offering. And it just the Rime Center at the time really just connected with me. Um, just something about the environment really in the and the you know Lama Chuck and and the community there really just spoke to me. And so that's that's the reason why I stayed. Was it was it pretty quick? Was it a, a pretty quick click for you? And obviously, like you said, you were in a in a space of looking around and trying to learn something about yourself and what you're looking for. Was it a pretty quick? Yeah, I think this is what I'm looking for. Yes, it, it really was. Um, I, I would say it probably took a year or so of of just exploring. And and again, it was just and, and you kind of mentioned it yourself. You you go to a church, especially if you're looking for a new church. And you're just like, yeah, this is it, or right. no, it's, no, it's not. You know, you just kind of have that immediate thing. And that's the great thing about, you know, faith communities is there's, you know, different ones for folks. You know, some are more liberal, some are more conservative, some are more progressive, uh, some, you know, so it, it really can just be, uh, you know, that community speaking to the person who's looking for a home. I want to ask you about the the uh, the kind of ins and outs a little bit of of worship, so to speak, of of, of being a practicing Buddhist, because I, I think um, most people are familiar with, uh, say, the the Christian style of worship, the Sunday mornings, the Wednesday nights, that that kind of thing. Um, mass, going to mass if you're Catholic, whatever that may be. What does what does being a a practicing Buddhist look like in in that regard, as far as 
times that you're gathering with other members of or other people that worship the same way or believe the same thing? What is what does that look like as far as just a Monday through Friday kind of here's how I practice Buddhism? That's thank you for the question. And I, I'm going to very I'm going to speak very specific to the Remay Center because that's okay. most of my experience. I you know sure. every every temple or Dharma center is a little different. Um, most of the time for Buddhist practitioners, uh, it is a little bit of chanting um, at the at the beginning, um, doing some like opening prayers, uh, and then meditation, and then usually a, a closing or a dedication prayer. Uh, most Buddhist temples and Dharma centers, uh, the you're going to be sitting on the floor on a mat, um, like a cushion. Okay. There are chairs, of course, because a lot of times people, um, you know, may not be able to sit on the floor. So there's chairs as well too. Uh, but m the majority you'll be sitting cross-legged uh, on on a cushion, and you'll do prayers. Usually, the first prayers that we do are uh, we call um, refuge prayers. So it's 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 kind of a a prayer that that we say to remind us of why we're Buddhists, you know, so we we take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And uh, then there's some usually op other opening prayers, maybe some prayers uh, for aspiration of developing compassion or wisdom, um, and then meditation. And then the dedication prayers are really just a way for us to say, you know, we've, we've done some good deeds, we've done some good uh, merit, and we're dedicating that to we don't want to hold on to it. We want to give it away to everyone so that, that everyone shares in, in our efforts. Um, specifically at the Remay Center, uh, one of the things that I, I found uh, was, was kind of smart on our founder, Lama Chuck's uh, part, was he created our Sunday service to reflect kind of a more Christian service. So we, we come in, we do some opening prayers, there's some meditation, there's singing usually with like mantras. Um, and then uh, there's almost like a homily or, or uh, a talk at right. the end. And then we do our closing prayers, almost like a benediction type. So prayer. it feels like a Western so it's, Christian it's really, service. Yeah, it's really nice for people who might be coming from a Christian background. It, yeah. it just feels a little more familiar than if you were just to say, here, we're going to meditate. Yeah. So how often are you, are you gathering from a, from with other, with other practicing Buddhists? Is it uh, a couple of times a week? How often does that happen? It's, it's really up to the person who wants to practice the practitioner. We, we offer a Sunday service, uh, usually from 1030 till noon. Uh, we call that our Sunday service. So again, for people who are coming to our, our, Dharma Center that may have a Christian background, it will feel familiar, like going to church on Sunday. Uh, we also have a Wednesday meditation where uh, people come in, just quick opening prayers, meditation, and closing prayers. And then we also offer meditations uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So pretty much throughout the week, um, usually in the evenings on the on the weekdays. Um, and so sometimes people come just for the Sunday service. Sometimes people come more for Wednesday, depending on their work schedules. Um, but I would say probably our main practice that most people attend is our Sunday service. How common are you in a Buddhist situation where you were raised uh, in a more traditional, I should say, and I don't mean that in an offensive way, but a, uh, a Christian standpoint, um, and then came to Buddhism uh, 
later on in life. How, how common is that for, for people that you know and practice with? Yeah, so for the Remade Center, we're, we're mainly a, a convert or people who are, who are spiritual seekers. Um, that, you know, it, it really is uh, in a, uh, kind of divided a little bit. Is, you know, if, if you are Vietnamese, you're, you're going to be going to the Vietnamese temple. You were probably raised Viet, uh, in the Vietnamese um, temple or in the Vietnamese uh, Buddhist faith. Uh, the Rime Center and the Temple Buddhist Center, um, which are more kind of Western English-speaking Dharma centers, uh, most of us are coming from a, a different faith tradition or may still be holding on or consider ourselves of that particular faith tradition and Buddhist. Uh, again, sometimes people see Buddhism as more of philosophical, um, working with kind of, again, the laws of, and kind of natural truth and not so much religious. And so they may still see themselves as Christian, but also Buddhist. And so you have just a mix of folks. But I would say at the, at the English-speaking uh, Dharma centers, a lot of people are, are going to have a similar story like myself, that were raised in one faith tradition, fell away from it, uh, and are connecting with Buddhism at the, at the moment. So a lot of religions, most religions maybe, are, are not only classified by how they worship and how they gather and that kind of thing, but also their interaction with other people. Um, how does Buddhism define the way you mentioned good works earlier, whenever you want to well, give those away specifically, like how does Buddhism define and, and um, encourage, for lack of a better word, your, your involvement with other people and your interactions with other people? Yeah. Uh, Buddhism, there, there is a strong uh, focus with uh, several different um, Buddhist faith traditions of engaging others. Um, and we, we call it the, uh, the, uh, the way of a bodhisattva. A bodhisattva is a uh, being who's engaged in compassionate action uh, for the uh, working for the benefit of other sentient beings. And this this ideal manifested, or the way we try to engender it, is really to engage our communities in in a way that benefits others. So sometimes you'll see that. Uh, as outreaches into the community. So like at the Remay Center, we have a prison outreach where we have volunteers or our, our members who go into prisons and, and do programs like meditations and stuff like that for prisoners. Uh, you'll also see uh, the Remay Center, we have a homeless outreach um, where we try to just take food out into the community uh, to, to just, you know, and it's usually just like grocery items uh, for people who are, who are living on the streets in need. Um, but we have a, a, a refugee, a Tibetan refugee program. So when Tibetans have come out of Tibet, they become refugees in India. And so we try to match people who can help sponsor them, um, you know, send money over to, to help them meet their needs until they can get on their feet. Um, and another outreach that we try to do is just uh, interfaith work, you know, reaching out to um, other members of the community, uh, faith community, to really open dialogue so there's not a lot of mistrust and, and to develop stronger bonds amongst the faith community. So I would say that that's an example. A lot of people embody that differently. You know, they, they may see the job that they do. Um, like maybe they're, if, if they're a social worker, they see that as part of their engagement of their faith tradition to help other people. Um, as, as just one example. 
So in in Christianity, in, in my faith tradition, it's a it's a biblical commandment to mm-hmm. care for you know orphans and widows. For for one example, what is the 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 reason the push behind a Buddhist decision or desire to do something good for someone else? Yeah, it's that it's that ideal that bodhisattva, the bodhisattva, that enlightened being, um, it, or or that someone who's working for the benefit of others is is put down in our scriptures as uh, a model for us to attain um, as kind of ethical discipline, you know, practicing generosity, patience, um, perseverance. And so the the interesting thing I have found with, you know, these ideals of engaging with others is also there's an aspect of not seeking reward from it. Sometimes when we want to be generous, we, we expect praise or we expect some kind of, you know, feedback cycle to, to you know, and, and in Buddhism, we don't, we try not to have that. We try to just to like for generosity, we try to give just so that whoever is in need is benefited and not really worry about whether people think we're generous or or, you know, upstanding citizens, you know, so a lot of times people do it in more of a, um, I don't know, kind of, um, I'm not sure the word I'm thinking of right now, but, you know, they, they try to do it in a way where it's behind the scenes, you know, so, so that, you know, people aren't like, oh, isn't Lama Matt such a, a wonderful, generous person, you know, sure. as a Buddhist, that would make us feel uncomfortable. Okay. Tell me about the the Buddhist community in Kansas City. What what's what's the what's the what's it like in in KC for people who practice Buddhism? Yeah, so I mean, it really is um, diverse. Uh, again, it's it's it would be like trying to say what's the Christian community like in Kansas City. I mean, there, there's a lot of folks who who see themselves as as Buddhist as like that's their family. They're Buddhist. Um, they may not be engaging in Buddhism quite as, as you know, intellectually or, or through study. Maybe they go to the temple, making make offerings, um, maybe do some meditation at home. Others um, see Buddhism as as more of uh, like intellectual study. So they they get into the philosophical aspects of Buddhism and and see it the more educational side of it. Um, and Depending on the community, it, it can really look different. Um, again, if you if you come to the Rime Buddhist Center, it's going to look. Uh, it, it comes out of the Tibetan tradition, so it has a lot of the, the flavor, the cultural flavor of Tibetan Buddhism. Like you can see the the shrine behind me. Um, this shrine would look different probably if I was practicing more the Vietnamese uh, style of Buddhism. So, you know, if you go to the, and, and I would encourage people who might be interested in learning more about Buddhism, explore the different communities. Um, because if, if anything, you're going to at least be making connections with people who you probably wouldn't have had a connection with in, in the past. So um, it can only really benefit you. Um, and and that, again, that's why I find like dialogues, interfaith dialogues with communities when churches are doing um uh, classes on different faith communities, a lot of times they'll have their, their folks go to those uh, churches, synagogues, temples, so they have that experience. And I would encourage, you know, people who are watching this today, if they're interested, to just go to one of the spiritual communities. Um, 
whether it's a Western uh, Dharma Center like the Rimei Buddha Center or the Temple Buddha Center, or you want to go to one of the more uh, the the temples that come out of uh, Asia, like uh, the Vietnamese temple or the Laos temple. You know, it really is a diverse community out there. Well, that's that's interesting to me because I was not aware of the, the diversity in that. So yeah. tell me about the the shrine behind you. You you mentioned it there. Like, is that something that every practicing Buddhist would have in their own home? Is that something you built? Tell me about the purpose and, and design of a shrine for Buddhists. Yeah, so so most Buddhists will probably have some representation of our article or our, our faith. Um, usually it's going to be an image of a Buddha. Um, so there's a, a statue that's just kind of right over my shoulder is a, a Buddha statue. You may also have some scripture, so uh, like like books. So you actually, fortunately, I'm I, I collect books, and so I have you know the Dharma books, the, the scriptures behind me, commentaries and and other things, and so uh, it really is one of those things. We don't see the statue as like we're worshiping that statue. It's really more a reflection of the teacher. It would be for like if I was Christian to have an image of Jesus, not, you know, I could I could say, well, I'm worshiping Jesus, but also seeing Jesus as that teacher and, and seeing his image reminding me I should live my life according to that, which I think most Christians strive to do. And so for me, as as a Buddhist, I see an image of the Buddha, not as a, a thing that I am worshiping like a deity or a, or a god, but as a representation of the idea of what that historical teacher tried to teach us. And uh, then when we have these different um, forms, then as a Buddhist, a lot of times we're making offerings. So we're, we're practicing generosity. And so we may light a candle, we may light incense, um, maybe offer like a little bit of food, like some fruit or something like that. But it's it's just a way for us to engage um, our, our practice with an image in front of us. Some people have very elaborate shrines in their home, like, like what you see behind me. Some people have a very simple, maybe just an image, like a picture of a Buddha on a wall or something like that. But we, we really see these images as sacred um, and because they're, they're pointing to that, that kind of sacredness in, in the world, that, that truth that he that the Buddha taught so many, you know, thousands of years ago. And so they're reminders. And so we try to treat them with as much respect as possible. And to develop that as a practitioner, shrines can be important. Some Buddhists don't have shrines at all in their homes, and that's okay too. So, so just to clarify, because you, you made that comparison there, like if Christianity had an image of Jesus or of a, of a cross up. Mm -hmm. Christ is someone that is my teacher as a Christian, mm -hmm. but is also someone that I worship. Yeah. Is that that's different for you're saying that's different for Buddha? Like Buddha is not the person that Buddhists worship. It's the teachings that you're using to to follow. Is that fair? Right. So the the important aspect is the teaching. If, if we were to put, you know, if if you had to place importance on either the image of the Buddha or the scripture, the truth, the, the teachings of the Buddha. We put emphasis on the scriptures, the truth itself, because that's what the Buddha taught. Um, I, I would say the, the best way maybe for your listeners to think about the Buddha 
um, that that might make sense to him is think of Jesus without the deification. If Jesus was just a rabbi who who taught a, a, a truth that people could follow, that would probably be closer to what we think of historical Shakyamuni Buddha. There's also the aspect of of a Buddha as a manifestation of that truth of you know that that enlightenment that the the historical Buddha discovered that freedom from suffering that stress that peace that he discovered you know that that can also be seen as an ideal and that gives us more of kind of a an abstract manifestation of Buddha because Buddha just means awaken that's that's all it means you know so Shakyamuni Buddha was you you can translate that or give a an, an understanding of sage of the Shakyas so Shakya was the people Muni sage and then Buddha the awakened one so um, we we it's it's more of a title for for that particular person but Buddha can also be the goal that we as Buddhists are trying to achieve that that liberation that we're trying to so we could see that manifestation also in that image. But I would say for, for your, your listeners, you know, the historical Buddha, think of it, really do think of it like Jesus without the deification. And, and that would probably give you a, a pretty good idea of, of how to see that image. No, that's, that's helpful to me. That makes sense. So that, that, that really helps me out. So I want to ask you about, uh, because I, I could take all day, I just, this is interesting to me. I could, I could pick your brain all day, but I don't want to take up all your time. But something you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation was, almost an awareness of suffering for, for Buddhists and, and people who practice Buddhism. Um, I want to ask you about the last year, because there's been a whole lot of suffering over the course of the last year, whether it be um, COVID, obviously, the pandemic, social injustices that people have responded to in a whole new way. Um, what has that, not awareness, but that that level of suffering being present on an almost daily basis been like? For Buddhists like yourself, is it does it inform or change what you're doing? Are you do you consider yourself even more sensitive to it? Like when you're when you're aware of that kind of awfulness potentially around you all the time, as a Buddhist, what does that mean and and do for you? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I I think especially with the I'll, I'll speak first about the pandemic. Um, I think for as Buddhists, one of our one of the teachings that kind of informs our, our core beliefs is this is this notion of impermanence, that things aren't fixed, that things end. Um, this also relates with like uh, relationships breaking up, uh, also people dying, so dealing with death. With the pandemic, it's been interesting because it, it's been a, you know, what, 14, 15 month lesson of impermanence that you know, we we had to face the impermanence of having a stable job. We then had to face the impermanence of not being able to see our friends and relatives, you know, have that separation. Uh, facing the impermanence of maybe friends and loved ones uh, passing away due to uh, succumbing to complications with, with COVID. Yeah. As, as Buddhists, we, we take that as a lesson and we, we try not to push it away. We, we try not to say, this is too tough, I'm pushing it away. Instead, we try to make space for it, to have a little introspection of what is our mind, how is our mind reacting to this impermanence, you know? And if we're upset, 
not again not to try to repress being upset but just to to work with that to to have a little mindfulness to to deal with that and and to understand that sometimes we're we're outside of our ability to deal with that and we need to address it with you know maybe therapy or counseling or something like that and and try not to uh, try not to push it away with distraction um, whether that's entertainment uh, could be uh, distractions like maybe turning to alcohol or drugs yeah. or or something that could be harmful to us. And so uh, I, I think we deal with it as, as that lesson of impermanence um, and to try to just take it one moment at the time at a time, not worry about too much of the future or the past, but just try to find our, ourselves in the present moment as we come to terms with that. Uh, the, the social injustice, um, I think, is something that has been in the American consciousness for hundreds of years. And I think the benefit I have found with Buddhism is it allows me, again, that introspective work to say, you know, there's a lot of injustice in the world. Can I look at my own mind and my behavior and am I contributing to that injustice and maybe mindfully or unmindfully and really root root out those those seeds of harm that are in my own mind so that I can really benefit the community at large? You know, if I if I really want to stand up for, uh, you know, racial justice then I need to root out any causes that I might be holding on unconsciously that might harm folks in, you know, in the black and brown indigenous community, you know, the BIPOC community. I need to, I need to work on, you know, it's, it's a work that I have to do. That also means that I can still stand up and, and join the community, but do it in a mindful way, you know, use that energy not to harm, but to really uh, kind of mobilize myself to want to change the the world around me. Um, you know, right now we're in, we're in pride month, you know, so same thing, you know, I'm going to root out anything that might be in my mind, preventing me from connecting with folks, uh, in the LGBTQ community. An example of that would be respecting people wanting to use, you know, different pronouns than what I might be comfortable with, or, being mindful of when I'm in a situation and I, and I, maybe I see someone who's trans and I feel uncomfortable with that, you know, not to, to lash out, but to look at that and just sit with that discomfort and say, why am I discomfort, you know, uncomfortable with that, you know, what is, you know, and, and root that out so that I can really truly see that person as the person, you know, and, and open my, and, and I think what Buddhism really teaches us to do is open our hearts and minds to the community and just allow to want people to be happy and not to suffer. You know, we, we talk about in Buddhism developing loving compassion or loving kindness and compassion. And, and we want to spread that out. We want to have a loving, compassionate heart and mind to all people in our community and not to leave anyone out, even those that we dislike. We, we, we try to work towards that as well. And I, and I think that's that's a powerful lesson or a method that that Buddhism teaches that all faith traditions have. But Buddhism, I, I have found Buddhism really puts a lot of emphasis on that, you know, and having love and compassion for yourself too, to, to sit there and work with your own woundedness, 
you know, and to, and to be brave about it and not to, again, Buddhism teaches we try things that were discomfort that cause us discomfort, we try to push away. So don't push that away. Sit with it, you know, work with it. You know, things that we like and, and cause us happiness, we try to grasp to, you know, and, and Buddhism says, let that go as well. You know, just try to be mindful and present in the moment and, and find a balance in your life. And that's, and I think that's during this pandemic and the, and the social unrest that we've had, I, I have found a lot of wisdom in our tradition for navigating and dealing with some of these issues. That's interesting. I, I said at one point earlier, uh, I I feel bad sometimes when we when I record these episodes about comparing a religion or a faith that I'm exploring too often to mine. But that's that's all I've got to compare it to. But you know, it it struck me as you were describing that. I I wondered uh, how often you have conversations like this with someone who's who's not a Buddhist, because members of my faith tradition are encouraged to evangelize a little bit. And and on those rare occasions where we meet someone who's not familiar with our faith tradition, we're supposed to share it and tell more about um, why we believe what we believe, that that kind of thing. I'm curious, how often do you get a chance to to speak to a non-Buddhist about what you're telling me about? Because I, I find it fascinating. How, how often do you get this opportunity to talk to someone outside your faith tradition about what you believe? Yeah. Well, just because of my role, a lot. Um, just because you know, there we we do like introductory uh, introductory classes to Buddhism. So we get a lot of people who are spiritual seekers, um, who may just want to know more about Buddhism, who come to this. I get invited to a lot of uh, other faith communities to sh- to kind of share and and have that interfaith dialogue um, with with people who may not be familiar with Buddhism. I, I would say Buddhism is. Buddhism really strives to not um, try to convert people, you know, uh, and and we see that even in the historical Buddha's life, you know, he would travel throughout India and he would just be meditating and people would walk up to him and ask him a question and then he would answer it. You know, it wasn't like he was trying to go around making, you know, people followers of his faith tradition. And so I see that reflected in my own experience that when I have conversations with um, people in Kansas City like yourself and others, you know, I, I'm not interested in you becoming a Buddhist. I'm interested in you just being a better person in general. And if if sharing our faith traditions with each other inspires us to be a better person of our faith tradition, then that's a success. You know, I, I actually gain a lot from other faith traditions, learning about different um, traditions out there that that inform my own faith tradition. You know, Christianity is, a, you know, you mentioned earlier, Christianity has such a great job of faith in action, you know, you, your faith through deeds. Uh, one of the things I love about, uh, another example I could share is with the Sikh faith. They have this uh, practice called langar, which is uh, they offer a meal. And, you know, when I have experienced this, it's it's this meal that they offer freely to anybody who comes into to their practice space and and you're sitting you know there's no like I'm better than you are everybody's just sitting together as a community being served and there's this communal offering that's happening that you know I think of this is an ideal form of generosity 
you know, to give without any expectation of return, that you're you're giving food, which I think we all can connect with, to those who need food at that moment in time. And and to me, I find these dialogues can really help us inform and and just be better whatever faith tradition that we are. Well, I I mean I like I said I I could pick your brain all day because I think this has been really really beneficial for me. If and I think I think most people my my experience with this has been most people who are watching these episodes are already of one faith tradition, but if if there's someone who's watching this that says uh they'd like to come and learn more about uh Rime and about Buddhism potentially what's a what's a good way for them to come? What's a good time? What if I want to watch this episode and say I'd like to go talk to this guy or learn more about what he's describing? What's 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 the directive there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, if people are interested in learning more about Buddhism, I, I would just encourage them to, you know, learn more about it. There's a lot of resources on on the Internet nowadays, um, a lot of great, uh, more scholarly articles also, if that's their interest. If they want to find out more about the Rime Buddha Center, I would say I would just invite them to come to our website, uh, which is www.rimecenter. That's R-I-M-E-C-E-N-T-E-R, all one word, uh, rimecenter.org. And uh, we are coming out of the pandemic. We're beginning to meet in person again. Um, so I, check our website because it's kind of every day is a changing development as far as meeting and Howard meeting and, and things like that. So definitely go to our website. And from our website, there's also a link where they can contact me um, and send me an email and I'll be happy to, to chat with, with folks, um, whether in person or, or through email. So. Well, uh, Lama Matt, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, this has been really interesting for me and answered a lot of questions for me. I, I know that uh, a couple of my coworkers, I told them that I was having this conversation today and they were like oh that's going to be really interesting because none of us knew a whole lot about about buddhism and i know that we didn't by any means cover buddhism today but it uh it was eye-opening for me and taught me a lot so i appreciate your time thank you very very much you're welcome thank you for having me taylor